Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor Fredrickson. And I'm Sam Hoganson. You ready to get started? Let's send it. Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 27, and we've got some Mariners and Husky updates for you today. Before we get to those, though, bring in my colleague and co-host, Sam Hoganson. What are you sipping on tonight, Sam? And a a happy early birthday to you. Oh, thank you. I'm not sure I'm happy about the birthdays. I've crossed over that, like, (laughs) what is it? You're still on the right side of 30, at least. That's true. That's true. Just by, you know, <laughs> well, one more year, one more year, <laughs> yep. one more year, getting close. Um, appreciate the, the birthday shout out there, mm-hmm. but I am drinking Trader Joe's winter wheat bourbon. It is a mash of 30% wheat and 70% corn bourbon whiskey, 84 proof, 42% alcohol by volume. And you bet it. I'm reading right off the bottle right here. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you should be paid for that shit man i just need to get those you know get get my plugs in while i can that's it's, right yeah not sponsored yet not no sponsored but like yet. people should know obviously jack daniels is numero uno here but sure trader joe's this is a new one though stuff. you've had like tr- your trader joe's scotch in the past yeah this is a new one with the bourbon yeah so i've i've had this winter wheat bourbon before okay and I don't know what makes it wintry, but mm. it's, I think it's just like when they typically sell it. And so when I was sure. at Trader Joe's this past weekend, last weekend, I saw it there. So I figured I'd snag a bottle before winter's gone, which I kind of thought it already was. So I was like, Hey, I'll, I'll take it and nice. see how long it lasts through the summer, but it's not going to last through the summer. No. So no. I don't know, but their Trader Joe's scotch whiskeys are good. And, uh, mix it up every once in a while how about you nice uh you're gonna be extremely jealous sam i am oh, currently no. i'm currently sipping on an old-fashioned made with my company's boomerang oh man boomerang yeah. is so good but you got a birthday coming up so oh i like the sound of that <laughs> we'll just leave it at that nice you probably need a refill on that stuff. I'm assuming. I do. It, it'll pair well with your winter wheat bourbon. Is that what it's called? Winter what? What was it? Yeah, winter wheat bourbon. Winter wheat bourbon. Yep. It'll pair, pair well with that. Oh yeah. Well, that's super right. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I we just we well we just bottled some this last week, and we have a new label and stuff too, so you won't even recognize oh, it when sweet. I hand you a bottle. Oh, awesome. I'll be excited to check that out. And uh, our listeners should be excited for whatever episode we do when I'm on the boomerang because it gets pretty wild. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true, man. Oh, man. We'll have to let our, in our listeners on a, in our future podcast the, the story of Sam's like first experience with boomerang yeah. and his drunken night. So. Yeah, I've been known to get a little crazy on the boomerang from time That's to right. time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It, it actually has a link to the podcast to the podcast, you know. It started with 
that 2016 first loss of the season against USC right. and mm-hmm. things went downhill kind of rapidly from, from there. I can't remember if you told that on air or not to our listeners. Cause I know you were talking about it with uh, Justin and I, I think, but I can't remember if that was on or off mic. I think it was but... probably off mic. Yeah. Yeah. So ma- yeah, maybe our I'm listeners sure. will get a little bit of an insight on that story at some point, but we'll save it for another night. Yeah. Somebody's going to have to actually, you know, give us an anchor voice message asking for it. How about yeah, that? There we go. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, we need some, we need some more messages, folks. So, listeners, leave us a message if you want to hear about Sam's story. Then ask about it. Maybe he'll do it then. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Should we talk some M's to start with here? Yeah, we're winning more games than we're losing, so that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, through nine games, they are five and four. Um, to the surprise of I don't know, probably most people. I wouldn't say that it's been super convincing. Their five and four record. Um, the games that they won, though, I will say that they're 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 a very up and down team, but they're gritty. Like they've they have come back from some deficits late in games, and they did it again today against the Twins. Um, so they've, I mean, they've they came down from a six run de- deficit late in this last game against the Twins, um, and then their first, I mean, they got got it started off in the year where they came back from a huge deficit against the Giants on the first first on opening night, first game of the year. Um, so if anything, they're you don't really want to turn off the TV with this team because it seems like they're kind of the comeback kids, or at least like a a a poor man's version of comeback kids. I'm not ready to crown them quite yet, <laughs> I don't think, but. Um, you know, kind of cool to see a team with some energy and some fight in them towards the end of games. Um, as far as like some spotlight players that have stood out to me, at least in the few games that I have watched, I have not, I, both Sam and I have not watched all the games. So we're, this is mostly from like highlights that we've seen and just statistics in general. Good to see Mitch Hanniger healthy again. He's playing pretty well. Um, he's at the top of the order. Um, I will say I'm not a huge fan of him being the leadoff hitter because he is not a very patient hitter. He likes to swing very early. So usually in that leadoff hitter, I, I typically think of someone that's pretty patient and is going to make the pitcher work a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, someone, someone that's going to work the count and give the, the next hitters an ability to be able to look at what the pitcher's throwing a little bit. And Mitch doesn't do that. He's first pitch swing in like it. I swear to, I swear to God, I think in like three or four of the games, his first at bat has been like three or four pitches strikeout type thing. <laughs> so, um, but nonetheless, I mean, he's obviously one of the better hitters. So the, having a good hitter there is first and foremost. So I think that's why they have him in that spot. Um, and maybe they like the aggressive nature that he has. He, he is, he's an aggressive hitter. Um, Ty France has played really well too. Um, yeah. He's, you know, carrying that momentum in from spring training. I remember yep. that was one of the things we talked about was, you know, we've seen it happen many times where someone's raking in spring training and then regular season rolls around and they kind of lose that momentum, but right. He's sitting at three twenty four batting average. And I mean, again, it's super early in the year, but he's, putting the ball in play that's for sure yeah yeah no doubt he's spraying it out all over the field too um so it's good to see him playing well and continuing like you said and building off that strong spring that he had 
Uh, Taylor Trammell had kind of a rough start to the year. I think he had like an 0, to, 0 for 13 start to the year, albeit with like a few walks and some good at bats and plate plate appearances in those first few games. But come on strong in the past few games. He has two homers in the last two games. His hit home run today was a bomb. Three-run missile out to right. Um, so if you haven't seen the highlight of that, Sam, you should look it up. That was, I mean, it, he's, he's got that swag, dude. Like, he's got a little bit of, like, I'm not calling him Griffey, but, like, he's got a little bit of, like, the Griffey-type swag. Like, when he's hitting a homer, he kind of likes to walk it out a little bit. So I'll let um, you pull that up and, and watch it. 421-foot um, dinger. He's, but he's, he's come on strong the past couple of games. So, and he's going to have up and ups and downs, obviously his, his rookie year, but congrats to him on his, on his first big league home run. Uh, I think it was Saturday and then followed it up with another dinger today. Um, and then on the pitching side, I'd say it's Yusei Kikuchi has really been kind of your standout performer, at least in the starting rotation. The starting rotation has been uh, lackluster to, for like, you know, <laughs> Put it nicely. <laughs> put it, yeah. Put it lightly. I think. But Just straight Kikuchi's up lying, the, actually. <laughs> yeah, the Kikuchi's been the lone bright spot. I think there. Um, it's it's been good to see him work a little bit deeper in games than he has in past. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see if Kikuchi can keep that going. Um, this is his kind of make or break year here, so he really needs to prove it. And he's been dominant at times in certain innings. I think he had like ten strikeouts in his first outing against the Giants. Um, and followed it up with a pretty good, pretty good uh, game last night. I think uh, I think he pitched on Saturday against the Twins. So, um, trying to think if there was anyone else. Kendall Graven looks really good out of the bullpen, but I think that's kind of it that I had. I, I guess I mean Kyle Seager is playing well too. He's got yeah. a pretty strong start to the year as well. Um, but those are kind of my standout performers. Um, I don't know if you had anyone else to throw in there. I feel like I hogged that segment. I'm sorry, Sam. No, no worries. I think the other thing to just kind of carry off of some of the predictions we had from mm-hmm. our preseason podcast, Dylan Moore, yeah, I want to go guys, that. he's already grabbed two bags. Yep. I like the aggressive nature there. I mean, as a team, we've got to have – five plus stolen bases at least yeah i think dylan moore's got two i see jp jp crawford has one Mm -hmm. kyle seager even has one i don't know what happened there yeah they're gonna be aggressive on the base pass (laughs) that's gonna be sticking around too yeah i see five here yeah um and honestly they they'll they'll have more than that for mauricio like i think they're like they'll get close to having like a stolen base per game not not every game but like closer than it is now like obviously you're looking at like basically one every two games i could see like two every three type thing i'm surprised taylor Trammell hasn't gotten one yet i guess it's because yeah. he really hasn't been on base too much well and when he's batting on base when he's been on and... yeah when he's been on base he's had someone in front of him a lot i think too so gotcha. i think that's limited his opportunities a little bit but yeah for sure i mean it and he's he's had some really really good plate appearances like that you wouldn't ex- like expect from a rookie just like super patient in some late game moments especially those first two or three games that first series against the giants i remember he had a couple really good plate appearances towards the end of games so hopefully a sign of things to come there but yeah i mean he's also got 16 strikeouts to start the year so <laughs> yeah. for sure he's like he's 
he, he's gonna have some struggles like he's it, this is his first time up in the big leagues so yeah um but you know he's got a couple homers now so we'll we'll see what happens so Let's technically go... how many how many weeks are we into this season right now like a week and a half, not quite two, two. yeah yep. so we're not in when is the terms of service date that's a really good question, and I don't know if that changes with the delay in the start of the minor league season or not. It probably doesn't, but I think I think it was I think it's like the th- third week in April, like the week of the nineteenth or something like that. I feel See if like I can't probably... find this. That's just a guess, though. Yeah, I was just thinking. I knew that I had that internal clock of two weeks coming up, and I was yeah be curious to see if we make any roster moves yeah i mean and we'll talk about that in a second before we get to that i just want to run down like obviously this is a week and a half like you were just saying into the season but just look at our predictions and just see how things are going and we'll we'll revisit this you know every time we're covering the mariners just to see where things lie out but if we start with pitching statistics we we started it off with era obviously you thought that logan gilbert was going to lead the team he has yet to be given called up yet so he will he will be could could still could still happen i'm off to a rough start with justice sheffield he was trashed (laughs) whoops um i pretty much retract everything that i like all the praise that i said to him in this last episode i'm retracting that he's got to earn it back so i'm not saying that sheffield's a total bust or anything like that like i think i'm sure he'll be could have a bad day yeah I'm, i'm sure he'll be better but he definitely had a rough one um against the giants or no that was against the white Sox. i think yeah i think his first outing was against the white Sox. um but i think he's pitching again if not tomorrow i think it's tomorrow it's either tomorrow or the next day so we'll see how his second outing is uh but that's a rough rough start for me <laughs> strikeouts doesn't we'll get any better this guy yeah we'll i feel like we both get a mulligan here um, we should because... we should Less than less than two innings into the season, James Paxton is likely out for the year with um I mean, I think they're calling it I don't even know what they're calling it. They they all they called it was left elbow pain, I think, or left like forearm pain. But uh it's been widely speculated that they're recommending Tommy John surgery, which would obviously end his season and possibly impact his availability for next year as well. The only saving grace we have there is that we didn't commit to Paxton long-term. It was just a one-year deal, but at the same time, this is a huge bummer. And I think that I want to bring out, bring up with Paxton real quick is that it really sucks because Paxton is the, is the one guy in this rotation that has like true ACE stuff when he's on Marco is your ACE, but he, he doesn't like have like your typical ACE stuff that like you look for in an ACE and he's had a really rough start to the year. And you'd be able to swallow that a little bit more, I think, if you had someone like Paxton still in the rotation. But because Paxton's out now, too, it's just like your ace is obviously struggling. And then, like, your second dude is on the mend. Doesn't sound like he's going to be back this year. And suddenly your third option, and it's Kikuchi, Kikuchi right now. And Flexen's honestly doing okay, too. Um, but Kikuchi is, like, your best pitcher right now. And while he's had a decent start to the year, he's certainly not an ace or anything like that. So not a great start for this rotation, I'd say. Um, and having Paxton out definitely is a huge bummer. 
Yeah, I just kind of feel for the guy too with it being, you know, what we referred to yeah. on the last podcast as a prove it contract, a one-year deal. Yep. You feel bad for him as a player, but even just as a Seattle Mariners fan looking at the outlook of the season, this has a pretty big impact. And, yeah. you know, if I'm looking for a silver lining in any of this, <laughs> I know, I know yeah. another pitcher that can throw some heat Bring Logan Gilbert up, baby. Bring what's him up. Interesting, what's interesting is I've heard George Kirby's name thrown around a little bit more than Logan Gilbert even, like to start with at least. Because I, I think Kirby's got another year on yeah, Kirby's Gilbert. one year further along in, in the right. farm system. In his, in his development, yeah. So we might see his name pop up first. Um, and that could come in the next couple of weeks. I'm not sure, but we'll see. I don't have a great feel for this stuff as far as like when these guys are coming up especially just because the mariners seem to be playing games with this shit um let's see uh what's the next what's innings the next pitched here? innings pitched gonzalez we both had gonzalez and i mean that still definitely could happen and obviously his he's the guy at the top of your rotation so he's gonna get the most starts probably for the most part and if he stays yeah. healthy he's gonna rack up a lot of innings but so obviously you got to pitch better to get deeper into games i think he only pitched about four and a third in his last his last outing um, yeah so he's gonna have to he's gonna have to improve um and i think yeah kikuchi leads the team right now in innings pitched um and they both have they have they both have two starts he's got 12 innings pitched i think he's had both both of his appearances he's had six six innings so um, that's kind of, I mean, that's what I expect from Marco night in yeah. night out is six innings and he hasn't really done that so far. So hopefully he turns that around. I think he was distracted by the Gonzaga basketball team. <laughs> is that your theory? <laughs> that's my theory. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Well, we'll give it, we'll give him until his next start then <laughs> he's got to turn it around now. Yeah. Um, all right. Batting average. I think we both feel probably pretty decent about yeah our guys at this point uh you had mitch hanniger and i had ty france ty france is leading the team right now in batting average at 324 but mitch isn't too far behind at 270 and you know i think he's played a little bit better in recent games as well too so um i think i think he's right there you know yeah both of those are reasonable i think Right now, I know we gave him a little bit of a shout out earlier, but Kyle Seeger is right now sitting number two on the team and batting mm -hmm. average with 314. So yep. those are your three top hitters by a large margin right now in ter right. terms of Ty France, Kyle Seeger, and Mitch Hanniger. So, you know, unless somebody gets called up and really just catches fire, I think you're probably looking at one of those three guys is going to have the highest batting average on the team would be my guess. Yeah. Like yeah even, I mean, I, even at this stage, this early in the season, I'd be kind of surprised if it wasn't one of those three based on what we've seen in spring training. But and, Sam, and early I, thought, season. I thought Jared Kelnick was going to lead the Mariners in every statistical category this year. No, no, just, just one, <laughs> just one. <laughs> and he's going to yeah. get me some nice whiskey when he does it. <laughs> I really hope you're right. That'd be though. Honestly, if if he, if you're right, it probably means the Mariners suck ass. So, well, 
say. <laughs> Tell me something that we don't know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Fair point. Uh, home runs. Uh, you had Ty France. I think he's got one right I think now. He's got. Yeah, just one. You're right. Um, and then I have Kyle Lewis, who's yet to play, obviously. Um, but right now you got Mitch Hanniger and Taylor Trammell and Kyle Seeger. I think Kyle Seeger had both of his home runs today. Um, all those guys have two, though. And then Ty France and Jose Marmaleos each have one. You haven't really seen a lot of home runs in the first um, nine games. You only have eight home runs in the first nine games. And I, think, I don't think they had a home run until like third or fourth game so a little bit of a slow start to the power statistics i'd say but um this team still has tons of potential in that area and again like i just said we haven't even seen their best player debut yet as far as kyle lewis so yeah um so i i think we probably both feel okay about that one yeah at this point it depends it depends if kyle lewis is actually going to be healthy in the next like week or two like they're predicting so yeah and i think with home runs like nobody's gonna i mean maybe kyle lewis could get into the upper 30s low 40s but you know if he's healthy all all year yeah yeah like a two two home run lead over kyle lewis is nothing right now no no, for sure. And yeah, none of these guys are roaring out of the gates, like I said, with with home runs. So, um, I mean, at this point, you're probably looking at like 30 bombs might lead the team. So, yeah, it's pretty wide open there. <clears throat> uh, RBIs. Here's, here's your bold pick. <laughs> yeah, this, this is my bold pick. My boy, Jared Kelnick. Yeah, I'm hoping I, to call him up sooner rather than later because. Yeah, it's I mean, ticket, we're not, man. We're not seeing the long ball too much but we are no we're scoring for sure that's true like that's true seager's got eight tramel's got seven rbis which yep. is just crazy and considering both of them had a bunch average. of those today i mean seager well, had four of those today i think that i mean that makes sense i'm looking at tramel he's got and seven rbis and yeah, he's he had batting, three today he's batting 185 yeah <laughs> Go figure. He must have. Well, he's got he's got two home runs and two he, multiple he's run tied, home runs. Well, he's got. Uh, I think he had a solo and then he had a double that like drove in a couple. I think the other gotcha. night as well. Like that was like against the White Sox. I think so. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, that one's wide open too at this point. I mean, as they have, as everything is, I guess at this point. That's season, crazy. But. I can't get over his sixteen strikeouts. Yeah. It's he's been to the plate 27 times and he struck mm-hmm. out 16 of them. And it was especially like those first five games. He just looked overmatched. He was, he was honestly putting up some decent like plate appearances. Like he, I think he has a really good eye. He's Taylor got Trammell's seven really walks. He's got yeah. seven walks. Um, but obviously you want, you want to see that like strikeout walk ratio to be closer to one to one than <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> not it's not great um it's not looking good no you can't you can't fault the kid he's nine games into his professional career yeah he's figuring out he'll he'll get it turned around but anyways rbis who did you have did you already say oh i had hanniger yeah Yeah. and he's third on the team right now with six so yeah it's a safe pick i i feel okay about that he is at the top of the order is the only thing i guess like i didn't I should have obviously looked more into this, but I didn't realize that he was probably going to be like our everyday leadoff hitter. And maybe that'll change. Like as guys get called up and stuff, I don't know if yeah. the order is going to change at that point, but um, 
I thought he was going to be either like your two, three, or four hitter, and he's your leadoff hitter. So that changes things a little bit. I'd be kind of surprised if he went end to end through the year as our leadoff. Yeah, it's going to get shaken up at some point. You got to. I mean, if 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 Tremel can limit the strikeouts, he'd be a <laughs> fucking really good leadoff hitter. Well, yeah, especially with again like the walks that he's racking up that'd be mm-hmm. awesome to get well, some i think cheap... he has a great eye like i think yeah. he has a really good eye um he's just been i think overmatched with just major league pitching as far as just the stuff and he just ha- he just has to adapt to that so i re- i'm really still very high on taylor Trimble. I yes think he's gonna have a really good year um at least for a rookie steals speaking of taylor Trammell, that's who i had and i you like you said i think earlier he doesn't have a single one yet um but I think he's a guy that could rack him up. Yeah, some of that's just, I think, been context as far as just he's been not on base very much, like you said. I mean, two of his, what, how many hits does he have? Uh, Two of his six hits have been... No, no, five five hits. hits. (laughs) Two of his five hits have been home runs. And I know he had, like, another one was a double. Very hard to steal third after that. And I think, like, probably the other two either had guys in front of him or maybe there's yeah. two outs or something like that. And he just wasn't stealing. So I, I think he just really hasn't had his chance yet. Um, you have JP Crawford. Does he have any yet? I think he has one. He has one. Yeah. yeah. But our leader right now is Dylan Moore with two and both of us had our dark horse as Dylan Moore. So we can pat ourselves on the back for that. Sure. It, if that makes us feel better. It so does. that's kind of where we're at with our 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 predictions as of as of now, nine games into the season. Obviously, this is all going to change. This is small sample size, but uh, baseball is a marathon, not a sprint. Your and, record uh, predi- your record predictions looking better than mine right now. <laughs> with our five and four record, my eighty three and seventy nine. You're record, on the yeah. right side of five hundred. That's right. That's right. Don't doubt this team, man. Don't doubt this team. No, uh. But let's talk about this injury situation Mariners <laughs> have started off with. It's been rough. Um, and, I mean, obviously we we already mentioned Kyle Lewis has been out since the beginning of the year with a – it's a knee contusion. Like, it's a, it's a deep bone bruise, basically, in his knee. And he has started running again, and he's been taking some fielding drills and batting in the cages, I think, just like light, light stuff, light work. Um Hopefully they start to ramp him up sooner rather than later. I really like he's the number one reason why I want to tune into this team right now, day in and day out is Kyle Lewis. Like he's, he's, he was the rookie of the year last year. That's who I want to watch. Like that, that's the guy that has the most upside in this lineup. And um, it's really a bummer that he was not able to be healthy for the beginning of the season, but hopefully it's just a two week thing here and we're able to activate him off the 10 day IL um, I have high, high, high hopes for Kyle Lewis. If he, if he can be healthy, James Paxton, we just mentioned him probably out for the year and that's, maybe some more than that too. Yeah. That's, I mean, and he, he's 32. Like we were probably fools to bet on a guy that with an injury history and on the wrong side of, you know, the age clock, as far as the, like having youth on his side. So but we're, I mean, we're sitting here talking about the Mariners. We're Seattle fans. We're romantic about it. We hope we're True. optimistic and it would have been a good feel good story. For sure. Well, it sucked. Too. Like Maple Grove was out there for like the second uh, game of the year. Everyone, you know, he had a 
breeze through the first inning, eight pitches or something like that through the first inning. And then he had, he struggled a little bit more in the second inning. And then suddenly just like the wheels fucking fell off. Like he just, he, he grimaced after a pitch and it was just bad. You just wonder if he was already dealing with tightness or something because we well, did it, talk about how they pushed him back in the rotation. Yep, so, yep. and they delayed his first spring start too. At the same time, like, I mean, he had pitched quite a few innings in the spring though like a hand like it yeah. wasn't like a crazy amount but like a handful of innings in the spring with no issues and looked dominant honestly in the spring but yeah there there was definitely like a weird feeling with paxton coming into the season with like service like you said like delaying his first start and like you know describing it as we just want to ramp him up and make sure he's got a good foundation get him ready for his first start and then less than two innings into his first start, he's he's probably out with TJ. Like, yeah, not could good. Be, yeah, that could be the end for him. It might be. I don't know. But you see, tons of guys come back from TJ now, but he's definitely one. He's just struggled so much with injuries, like in general. And then yeah. two, he's just not a young pitcher anymore at this point. So, and his game is kind of that power game. So, we'll see if he gets back to back to throwing you know 95 96 like he's like he's used to but it's gonna it's 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 gonna be a long road ahead and obviously wish paxton well hopefully hopefully he's able to come back from from a tough injury jake fraley your fourth outfielder is also injured um i can't remember what his injury was but i know he got injured in like the fourth or fifth game and they they called up Braden bishop to take his place go dogs Um, former husky yep yep happy to have Braden a part of the fold um but yeah i, I don't think it's going to be a long-term issue it didn't sound like i think fraley will probably be back in a couple weeks is my guess uh evan white had i think he pinch hit today so i don't think that's i, I think that injury is probably in the past now but he had a quad issue that kept him out a couple games but you know overall scope of things uh, obviously some injuries to be noted in in two areas that we're expecting some major league debuts from some some younger guys and that's what i kind of want to talk about here is yet yet kyle lewis start off the year on the 10 day il now you have jake fraley on the 10 day il um and you got you know jared kelnick waiting in the wings there yeah and when when do they decide to pull the trigger on him and then obviously paxton out of this rotation now and his spot is taken for now by uh either nick marjevicius or lj newsom i think lj newsom was the guy that was called up in his place but nick marjevicius will probably move from the bullpen to the rotation is widely thought to be the move there but you got two guys in both george kirby and logan gilbert that are pretty much major league ready you would think and time's ticking you know just like when when do these guys debut and Sam and I said it, this is the exciting part about this year. Like this, like when these guys debut, you get to see some of this young talent, not all going to be sunshine and roses the whole time. Like there's going to be struggles for these guys to start with, but like, this is why we're excited to see some of these guys play. So what's your prediction, Sam? Who do you think comes up first out of those three guys? Oh man. I don't, the Kellenic situation just seems like there's a little bit of extra drama and baggage around that. Yeah. So to be fair, we reason, haven't really heard, we haven't heard drama from Kelnick's camp. 
since the roster was announced. Yeah, that's true. So that's I good. just I feel like with the way things went down with the Mathers fiasco. Oh, for sure. Uh, I just I don't have a good gut feeling that he's going to be the first. Mm-hmm. My guess is it's going to be Kirby or Gilbert and yeah. and help bolster the the pitching rotation. Yeah. But I don't know. You could see him make the move at the same time too. Again, you're alluding to these injuries or like both the key position groups for right. bringing up a pitcher and bringing up an outfielder. And I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't put my money on, on, on anyone being the first. I just mm-hmm. can't wait to see at least one of them get called up sooner rather yeah. than later, but it's going to, it's going to happen. And I think with these injuries, it's going to happen sooner or at least there's more pressure on the organization to, you know, expedite whatever plan they had. Sure. And they've been trying to sell this whole, like these injuries don't change our plans for development and stuff like that. But at the same time, you only have so much depth and you're not going to like, if you're just trying to piss off fans, that's when you're going to call up, you know, some dude that's like 29 and (laughs) making his major league debut instead of a George Kirby or a Logan Gilbert or a Jared Kelnick or something like that. So, um, do you have an impulse on who you think would be first? I think it's probably going to be Kirby. Just that's just my, that's just my, I mean, that's, that's a shot in the dark guess though. Like, I think, I think you could make an argument for any of these guys. Um, that's just kind of the name that I've heard tossed around a little bit more than the other two lately. So I, I think I think within the next month, here's what I will say. I think it, within the next month, you're going to see at least one or two of these guys, though. Yeah, I agree with that. So, but by mid by mid May, you should see at least one, if not two, of these guys in the major leagues, and that'll be exciting. I think we'll have, we'll be having a completely different conversation in a month than we are now. Um, I think it's just like kind of a it's a weird time because again, like we talked, we kind of ramped up this season and like like we were trying to like hype it up, like excited for like all this young talent and it's just like not quite debuting yet so we're like in this kind of state of just pause and limbo where we're just kind of waiting for them to be ready to come up or rather waiting for the mariners to you know fucking just do the damn thing and i know send it um but yeah i i think i that combined with Kyle Lewis being injured at the beginning of the year. And then obviously the Paxton news, like it's just been kind of a little bit of a damper to the start of this season for me. Um, but you're also looking at a five and four team and you know, they, they took two out of three from a really good Minnesota twins team on the road. Um, so, and that's after losing the first game. So they had two strong performances on both Saturday and Sunday this weekend. And we'll see how they perform against the Orioles coming up uh, tomorrow or I guess today as you're, as you're listening to this. Yep. Any other Mariners things you wanted to touch on before we move on to the real meat and bones of this podcast? Nope. I'm ready to go. All right. <laughs> Sam's been waiting for this part. I think he just really wanted to get through the Mariners stuff, but that was a good conversation. So thank you for enlightening me. No, it's good um, to touch base on it. Yeah. Let's, let's just start with a couple Husky updates here before we get into spring ball stuff. Um, spring ball is going to be the majority of our conversation tonight, but just as far as just some quick news updates, start off with some sad news and someone that Sam and I have mentioned a lot on this podcast, as far as having some really high upside at that outside linebacker position, Leatu Latu 
injured all of last year and it turns out it was a neck injury that is going to force him to retire from football yeah and huge bummer i want to hear your general thoughts on this sam i know like you were when the news came out um and i texted you about it like you just seemed pretty torn up about it mostly just like for the kid like for for himself not necessarily for the team because i think there's a lot of depth there but um you just feel for the kid it it sucks because he had so much talent yeah and it's just a you know it's one of those reminders of the violent game that Mm -hmm. these kids and you know adults play whether it's college football shit even high school football nfl and it happens and there are casualties to the game. Yep. We've seen it in the past and there's been ones, you know, documented on ESPN 30 for 30, like Marcus Dupree, the best that never was, you know, mm-hmm. looking like Bo Jackson running the ball and blows out his knee and never really realizes the fruit of the God-given talent he had. And yep. I think it's unfortunately the same story for Laotu Latu. I mean, in my, in my opinion, in my eyes, he is a surefire NFL player that mm-hmm. his, his height, weight, strength, speed combination, just you. The moxie that he showed his freshman year too. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, the guy is a rugby he player. He's a rugby yeah. player. The way that he can move at that size is just special. And he was absolutely going to be making millions of dollars in the NFL. And, you know, you start to think about what that means for his life, what that means for his family's life and his ability to make that kind of money. And, you know, I don't know what family situation he comes from, but obviously a lot of these kids come from different backgrounds and that money is life changing for them. And, you know, the, the silver lining and the thing that I really love about these college programs and the way that Jimmy Lake has handled this one in particular, they're keeping Leatu around as a student assistant. They don't take scholarships away. So he's going to have every opportunity to finish and get his degree from obviously a well-respected university. So all of that's great, but it's just, it's, it's sad because his earning potential, the odds of his high earning potential in his life have taken a dramatic hit. Sure. And it's a game that he loved. You don't mm-hmm. get to this point without loving the game and for the doctors and your body to tell you, you can't do it anymore. at such a, such a young age is, is really sad. So you feel for the kid. And like you said, I think from a Husky perspective is is there's no need to panic. We have a lot of playmakers Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. our pass rush, you know, was great last year, even without him. I just, you feel gutted for the kid because he has such a bright future playing the game and it's just a scary injury. I mean, he had to go through surgery and (laughs) neck injuries, head injuries, spinal injuries. You just can't mess with that and at the end of the day i think there's part of him that probably feels blessed to have caught it blessed to be absolutely attributed and and affiliated with the university that's going to take care of him and Mm -hmm. and make sure that medicine at uw too so yeah it makes you know the medical center will take care of him there and get him in the best shape that he can be to live you know 
a remotely normal life, but mm-hmm. just hate hearing these stories. And, you know, there's been a couple of them in recent memory in, in Husky history, whether it's, you know, someone like Colin Porter was a super promising offensive lineman. He had chronic arthritis in his knee and his shoulders and had to retire. And, you know, there's a bunch of them in that offensive line, defensive line rooms, man, they take, they take a brutal punishing. Yeah. And I, the two that I equate it to are NFL guys with the Seahawks with Cam Chancellor and Cliff Averill, same type of same thing. Yeah. Um, and it, like you said, it's, it's a huge humble pill and just like it, it, it really brings you back into perspective. Like for these guys, there, there is more to life than just football. Like obviously they've lived that and stuff like that. And this is a huge time in his life where he's probably like, you know, trying to reimagine his life without football, but there is more to life than just football. And like you said, he, there is probably a part of him, like a small part of him, at least right now that is, and it'll probably grow into a bigger part of him as he starts to live the rest of his life that, feels grateful not only that he had football for like you know getting to this point in his life but also got out without like so Being serious in a wheelchair. Of an in- yeah so serious of an injury that he's a quadriplegic or something like that you know like yeah he, yeah he can't walk can't move whatever like there's tons of guys that have that story as well so um obviously a huge bummer and it, there's no way around that but there are silver linings here and I think, I think the biggest one, like you said, is just that they're keeping him through in the program. He's going to be a student assistant, like a graduate assistant on, on staff and keeping him around the guys, which is great. And I'm assuming they're keeping him probably on scholarship at that point then too, um, in some way or capacity. I'm not sure how that works at, like logistically, but in some way or capacity, I'm pretty sure his education is still being paid for. Yeah, um, I think that's an NCAA rule. So yeah, whenever a player is deemed, you know, from a medical perspective, that they're medically retired from football, the NCAA will allow the school to fulfill the promise of that scholarship without it counting against the team's allotment of, you know, scholarships that they can have on the active roster. So he won't count towards our 85, but he's not going to have to pay a dime to finish up his his career as a student. One of the few good NCAA rules out there. <laughs> One of the very few. Yeah. <laughs> One of the very um, few that is favorable to the student. <laughs> right. So obviously praying for Leatsu and and his family and um, glad that it, it sounds like his recovery is going well and everything like like mm-hmm. he's healthy. It sounds like just from like a basic human standpoint, he just can't play football anymore. It's too risky. Um, so it, wishing him well um glad that he's still going to be sticking around the program and he's a forever dog obviously suited up um in 2019 for for the huskies and you know like like we said he he showed spot few kind of highlights and 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 spotlights of like what he could have been um and we'll we'll forever kind of have those memories of him does definitely put into perspective and make a whole lot more sense now why we see we saw a guy like jeremiah martin transfer into the program though and Mm -hmm. kind of solidify some of the depth at that outside linebacker position sam you mentioned some of like there's a lot of talent at that at that position um but not 
I wouldn't say there's a ton of experience at that position beside outside of Ryan Bowman. Um, ZTF, you could say, but like that's only a flash in the pan. That's four games last year that he performed at that high level, you know? So I have something um, to say about that when we get to the practice okay. I observed, but yeah. Great. Yeah. Keep that but in mind. I'm, all, all I'm saying is it, like still a relatively unproven talent at that yeah. point in, yeah. in a game situation. Um, so outside of that news, have some more movement in the transfer portal <laughs> yet again. Yeah. Drink. <laughs> uh, type thing. So obviously, and specifically on the wide receiver front, um, we have now five five wide receivers that have transferred out of the program. Yep. At this point, um, so two more to to announce today that are included in those five are uh, Austin Osborne and Marquis Spiker, two guys that were four star recruits, highly recruited out of high school. We've mentioned them on the on the podcast before that they potentially could be on their way out. Mm-hmm. weird timing though i will say like before spring ball started and it was like so late like right before spring ball started it's like too late i think for them to probably enroll anywhere in the spring mm-hmm. um by the time they announced that they were in the transfer portal and i think it was just announced today that austin osborne or no that sorry i'm thinking of eric stevenson in basketball <laughs> <laughs> that's bad of me okay anyway um Eric Stevenson just announced that he was going to South Carolina, but for some reason gotcha. in, in my mind, I was thinking it was Austin Osborne. Um, so anyway, uh, two guys that are, that are out of the program, neither of them really made much of an impact on the field in their first, what was it? Three years in the yeah. program. Yep. Um, and, you know, I think Spiker probably could have definitely potentially been in the wide receiver rotation this year. But um, nonetheless, I mean, you have five guys moving out of a position group in one offseason and alarm bells definitely start going off. Um, Bring me back down to reality here, though, Sam. Like, why should I not be fretting about this? Yeah, so I think that there's a couple of things there. The first is, you know, you see five people leaving one position group in one offseason the natural reaction is to kind of freak out and and question like, okay, well, what's going on? Is there some sort of disconnect with the coach position coach, or they don't believe in the offensive philosophy moving forward. What's going on. I think what we're really seeing is junior Adams, the wide receivers coach for the Huskies wants to play his guys. And the reality is, all five of the guys that left with the exception of Puka Nakua were not recruited to the university of Washington by junior Adams. Mm-hmm. So Ty Jones, Jordan Chin, Spiker and Osborne were all recruited in by either Matt Lubick or Bush Hamden. Puka Nakua, even I put an asterisk next to him. Junior Adams came onto the staff late into that um, recruiting year for Nakua and he ended up he did close it he did close the deal but and Puka kind of was looking at Utah and USC and then when we hired Junior Adams he was able to kind of swing them back up into the northwest Mm -hmm. and another element a double asterisk is the fact that without the family situation that the Nakuas are going through and again I don't know what that is but it's very legit with both of them his older brother Samson moving from University of Utah to BYU to be 30 minutes closer to home. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's some legitimacy there. I think without that 
in play. Puka Nakua is here. He's yeah. He wanted to be a dog, and you could tell that it was heartfelt and authentic. That he didn't want to leave his career that way. So, I think what you're seeing is those guys are getting passed up by the young guns that Junior Adams brought in, the Jalen McMillans, the Romo Dunzes, the Sayuracanellis, and I think there's more there than I guess with with that context i would i would just pump the brakes on freaking out a little bit yeah and then to the point that you brought up around the odd timing i think i figured out the timing for osborne and spiker you know on the surface looks really weird leaving right like two or three days before spring ball Mm -hmm. and not being able to latch on to wherever they're going in time to join that team's spring practice i think that they wanted to wrap up winter quarter because now they're going to be mm. graduate transfers. And That's so true. the two of I knew, them, I know Osborne was, I didn't know Spiker was also a grad transfer. So. I think they both are. And so okay. why that's really important is both of them are California guys. And if mm. they want to stay in the West coast, footprint, the pack 12 yep. footprint, UW has been very strong on our policy. That is, if you're going to transfer within the conference, we're going to block your, availability to play immediately mm-hmm. unless you're a graduate transfer unless you graduate from UW. Mm-hmm. And so I think the two of them decided it would be worth it to miss spring ball at whatever new school they're going to. I think they decided that they were going to transfer at the end of last year and yeah. that they just wanted to finish get their, their degree yeah. and know that like now I can go to the school that I actually want to go to and be able to play probably right two years i think i think yep. they'll have two years of eligibility yeah they both yeah. redshirted so yeah. yeah so i think that's what the timing is about is they wanted to wrap up their degrees and, and be grad transfers that makes sense but you got five co- it wasn't out. just to screw u-dub over like no. and like <laughs> blow no. their wide receiver room up right before spring ball okay nope and so you have five guys leaving we've already brought in one Jalen Polk from Texas Tech. We've talked about and him I, on the podcast before. I think it's actually pronounced Jalen Polk. I keep hearing Softy say Jalen Polk. Oh, I would not be taking phonetics lessons from Softy. From Softy. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard Jalen like like actually on the pod like on the Dogman podcast or anything like that? I haven't. It could be Jalen. I mean, I don't I don't know half these names, so well, we'll we'll find that out. We we I definitely want to try to pronounce these guys' names correctly, though. Like when we're talking about them, so it Agreed. might be Jalen, might be Jalen. Either way, no. Mr. Polk no. from Texas yeah. Tech. <laughs> we'll, we'll just call him. Yeah, we'll we'll call him Mr. Polk for now. Yeah. So anyway, so he's he's in and he's mm-hmm. been practicing this spring, and then as Connor alluded to, we brought another guy in. Why don't you introduce this guy? Because he's an exciting one, in my opinion. Yeah, um, and we've obviously teased that our biggest non-conference opponent this next year is in Ann Arbor in Michigan, and we're getting one of their own in this this latest transfer. Wide receiver Giles Jackson, little 5'8 gadget guy, basically, is the way that I'm describing him, and a hell of a kick returner as well. Yes. Um, so how I'm seeing him factor into the offense, unless, I guess, is that too forward of me to go straight into that or no, do like, it? Okay, cool. 
Um, so how I see him factoring into the offense, um, or I guess onto the team in general, he's probably going to be your leading kick returner at this point. You yeah. had kind of Sean McGrew and I think Kyler Gordon did a little bit of that last year as well. Yeah. Um, but it was mostly Sean McGrew. That yeah, was I think Cam Davis was back there a little bit too. Cam Davis was back there. Yeah, you're right. Um, but immediately this guy is number one on your depth chart at kick yes. returner, I think. Yes. Um, which is huge. I don't think we've had an elite kick returner since like John Ross, Dante Pettis days. Like I don't Correct. think we've had, we've had a game breaker there. And this guy is that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he, his freshman year, he took one back, I think, I think against South Carolina um, for Michigan um, when they were really good too. They were a top 15 team at the time. So um, he was obviously getting quite a bit of playing time his freshman year in 2019 for mm-hmm. a top 15 team. Um, so that kind of, you know, recognizes the talent that, that he has. He had a the great, other way that I, great kick return against Alabama. He yeah. returned a kick for a touchdown against and that was Rutgers. against that was in like the citrus bowl or something like yep. that i think against alabama so that's a big time stage there and that's cool um so obviously this guy this kid has some big game experience and has definitely uh flashed some eyeballs especially in that kick return game the other way that you'll you'll see this guy i think used is is like i said gadget guy like he is going to this is your fly sweep guy this is your guy in the wide receiver screen game um they're going to do some fun stuff with him. I think they're going to move him quite a, a, around quite a bit in this offense. We don't have a guy on this roster like Giles Jackson. Super quick. Um, and I would call him more quick than fast. Like, he's got 4-4 speed. I disagree. You, you I, disagree? I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not disagreeing that he, he might be quicker than he is fast. But yeah. you're not going to catch him from behind. He's, he, no. he's blazing fast. Yeah, he's 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 very very fast. Um, he's probably gonna be day he's one. He's not jo- he's not John Ross fast though. No, but nobody. But is. no one's John Ross fast. <laughs> Giles Jackson is going to be probably the. He will arguably be the fastest player on the team. Him, Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie, yeah. Maybe Kyler. Prob- I don't know. Is Kyler fast? Uh, Kyler's he's fast. athletic. He's athletic. I don't know if he's fast. Yeah, I like think that I think fast. it would be Giles Jackson or Trent McDuffie. Jalen Polk, I think, is really fast too. Actually, too. Or yeah, he Mr. could Polk. be Mr. Polk. Mr. Polk. Yeah, get it right. <laughs> well, some, and McMillan and Dunze. To be fair, I, there's there's some major speed in this wide receiver room in general. Like, yeah, McMillan is fast. <laughs> like, yeah. he got behind the defense a bunch last year. Roman Dunze has shown it in practice more than in a game. His speed, but yeah, he's fast too. Yeah, but um, I think your point is totally valid in terms of, you know, imagining how Giles fits into the offense. For yeah. Husky fans that have been around for a couple of years, I would they're going to try to use him and he's going to look a, a lot like Chico McClatcher. Yep. He's yep. a little and, bit taller than Chico, but he's he's shorter, but he's really stocky, well-built guy. He's not small, he's just short. Mm-hmm. And he's quick he's still pretty, he's pretty physical for his size for yes. sure so yes. that's that's cool too um and i like that in a, a small receiver that you know guy might think he's gonna light him up and he actually lays the lumber on him um low center of gravity wins yeah right um yeah i i think he's gonna fit into this offense great though and i'm really excited to see what john donovan done with, does with him they're obviously bringing him in for a reason and yeah. um they 
they seem to spotlight this guy's name's been floated around for about a week as far as transferring into the the program there's kind of some controversy behind like the announcement of him coming to U Dub, yeah. but we won't go into that. I feel like it's not really probably worth the conversation, but um, it's it's it, it has been a conversation for a while. Let's just say that for for about the past week, but it was officially announced finally today as we're recording this on a Sunday. Um, let's see. And I think one thing to point out on Giles Jackson as well is he does have a connection to the program. Right. He's the older point. he's the older cousin of an incoming freshman safety named Vincent Nunley. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, that was his appeal to Washington was being able to play with his younger cousin once Vincent right. gets up here for fall camp. So right. cool family connection there as well. Well, and that's the other thing too, is uh because he's announcing it now, he cannot enroll in spring quarter. Um, he won't be eligible to enroll until the fall so you will not see him in spring bowl um but nonetheless i the one thing that this wide receiver room doesn't really have is a ton of experience and this guy brings a little bit of that at least even if it's not like a ton it's definitely more than what we had Mm -hmm. um so that being said do you see this wide receiver room better or worse like after this offseason i I think we probably both feel the same way about this, but I want to, I want to hear what you have to say before I talk about this. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of formulating my thoughts. I'm a little bit torn. I think yeah. the only reason I'm torn is because losing Puka is tough. Yep. Yep. I think Puka was going to have a big year for us mm-hmm. with his experience, his ability. He was just going to be your go-to wide receiver. Number one. Mm -hmm. hands down Mm -hmm. and we don't have that obvious candidate coming back terrell bynum is probably going to be you know he's in for a big year he's probably going to be that guy Mm -hmm. but he 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 just doesn't have the same at least to date he doesn't have the same upside that puka did and so i think like losing puka is a is a big blow in terms of what 2021 wide receiver production was going to look like mm-hmm. i don't losing ty jones losing jordan chin losing osborne losing spiker doesn't matter to me as long as we feel like we're okay from a depth perspective i don't think any one of those players was special in any way to me sure. um and so i think where I'm leaning is I I probably think we're in a better place just because it opens up bandwidth. It opens up snaps for the young and really promising talent that junior Adams has brought in, whether that is a guy like Giles Jackson or Mr. Polk or the two guys that I think are going to have a huge year. And I know we probably feel very similarly about this is, Jalen McMillan and Romo Dunze, I think with those five guys vacating the space in front of them and vacating the practice repetitions, the game snaps, really expediting the learning process and development pattern for McMillan and Odunze, I think is going to prove to be invaluable for not only them as players, but also for this team, because those are two guys that I think are potential NFL receivers. And so I think getting them 
just more room and, and more learning opportunity and growth potential, I think will be a really good thing. And, and I would just want to caveat and why I'm having a hard time being like, oh yeah, hell yeah. Like the wide receiver room is in way better shape than it was is within the context of what it means for 2021 versus 2022 and 2023 is the mm-hmm. distinction. Like to your point, they're inexperienced. They're unproven in a lot of ways. And so 2021, they might struggle here and there. And a lot of this is going to have to, you know, depend on the quarterback and right. that whole battle that's going to sort itself out eventually. But I think what this definitely 100% does is it makes Jalen McMillan and Romo Dunze that much better of wide receivers for us in 2022 and beyond. It's a fair point. I, I think what this does for sure that the upside is higher. Um, I would say for this wide receiver group and kind of building off of what you were saying, Sam, it does mean that both Jalen McMillan and Roman Dunze, I think those are far and away your two most, uh, like your highest upside guys in the room at this point. Um, And it gives them playing time from day one this year. Like they're day one starters at this point. I think if you're etching out the the depth chart, the two deeps. Yep. Um, So that's exciting. It for sure means that you don't have as much experience probably with a lot of these guys transferring out. And I look mostly towards like Ty Jones and And especially Puka at that point. Um, Jordan Chin, obviously on and off the field and then both Spiker and, and Osborne were very limited and yeah, they were snaps the, at UW. I see them from an experience standpoint, the same as Romo Dunze and Jalen McMillan. They, yeah. Osborne, uh, Osborne I don't even, even less. He, yeah. yeah. Osborne. I don't even know if he took snaps. Yeah. I know Spiker took some snaps. I think snaps he did, but I, like I, I think catches. it's a handful. Like I think Osborne Maybe. took like less than five snaps in yeah. his college career. Um, yeah, which is just crazy coming in as a four-star. He's entering his fourth year. But anyway, his dad's a fucking nutcase. Um. Yeah, good riddance. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as better or worse, it's really hard to say. Just I, I really want to see... It's not, it, We're hearing from spring practice that it looks like Polk is you know starting to make some plays, and this is only three days into spring practice. So I think he's going to develop into this this offense pretty well. Um, and right now he's probably your fourth wide receiver. So to have that as your fourth wide receiver is pretty good. And if, I mean, he's, I think both the, both of McMillan and Ondunze probably have pretty short leashes though. If Polk is going to like be kind of your experienced guy there with Terrell Bynum that they'll throw him in there. If, if one of those guys isn't getting, getting it done or if you have a couple drop passes by one of these guys like polk is going to get some playing time he's going to be that next guy up um and then i think giles jackson's going to be a guy it, like like we said we've, we've said it a few times now that like we just have not had someone like this in the offense since chico and this guy could be even better than chico like it like you're talking like that yeah. john brass john ross kind of like level of game breaking talent like playmaking mm-hmm. ability um and basically being a threat to score anytime he touches the ball. So 
he he's not going to be like a starter per se, but he's going to get snaps and they're going to design plays, especially for him, which might make it a little bit hard because maybe any anytime he's on the field, like people are going to key in on him. Dead but it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it'll be interesting to see how that develops. And that's obviously a, a problem for a later date at this point. But um, nonetheless, I, I, I think I think the upside and the talent is better now. But yes. if you're if you're telling me you have one to choose from from Puka, Jalen, Jalen Polk, Mr. Polk, and Giles Jackson, I still take Puka. I'm taking Puka every day of the week. Um, so but you end up with two of those guys instead of one. So I don't know. And it at the same time, like we said, it means that both Jalen McMillan and Roman Dunze are factoring into this offense at a quicker rate than they would have otherwise and i think um, the other name that we would be doing a disservice to not bring up is sawyer rocanelli yep. he was going he was on pace to break all of cooper cups receiving records in the state of washington for high school before he tore his acl leading up into his senior season and you know he's kind of gone on gone under the radar and he's mm-hmm. been overshadowed by his classmates in Romo Dunze and Jalen McMillan but i think you know he has the potential to factor into this equation as well and so mm-hmm. you know i'm having i think we're kind of deliberating over the semantics of the way the question was phrased like is the wide receiver room better or worse and i think there's arguments to be made there if you ask me the question, am I worried about our wide receiver room? No, I'm mm-hmm. not. Like the depth is there when you, we, we lost five guys. We brought in two, I think quality transfers in Mr. Polk and Giles Jackson. And then I think you have these three guys that came in and redshirted last year. Two of them played in McMillan, Odunze and Rocanelli. And then you have Terrell Bynum. You got six guys that I feel like all can make things happen with the ball. Not to mention Jabez Tanai is coming in the fall. Exactly. And so and he'll, he'll probably redshirt, but like super talented yeah, as well. Taj Davis is back from an, yep. from opting out. And he's shown out. some good stuff in spring too. And so that's yeah. another big body. So from a, you know, a wide receiver perspective, I'm not worried. I think I'm waiting for them to kind of prove it. They need to prove that they can be. Sure. You know, game breakers at that position, but I think I feel really comfortable with the talent and the bodies that we have at, in that position position group right now. Yeah, I'm a little wary of the inexperience, but I'm super comfortable, like you just said, with the talent. Like the talent is yes. there for sure, and the depth is there as well. Um, it's just going to be all about experience and especially just chemistry with whoever the quarterback ends up being um, this year, and it you're probably going to see some struggles early earlier in the year is my guess um, with some of the the timing and the chemistry and just the game flow um, in the passing game is my guess earlier in the year, but I think that's going to develop and you're going to see a lot of these guys really take off with their potential about midway through the year and through the end of the year is my guess. Yeah, totally agree. I feel, I feel good about it now. And it's, again, kind of, you know, similar to our th- theme around the Mariners young promising talent like it's not Mm -hmm. always going to be pretty but it's going to be fun interesting exciting to watch that's going to be this wide receiver group Mm -hmm. it'll be really exciting to see who rises 
from the group and really solidifies themselves as significant contributors to the 2021 offense. And I'm looking forward to seeing who that will be. No doubt. Yeah. And you're going to see some headaches as far as like some drop passes early in the year. You're also going to see some like wrong routes and miscommunication with the quarterback that might lead to a turnover or something like that with some of these younger wide receivers as well. But those are growing pains. And I think we're, we're going to be better for it. And um, this wide receiver group has a, this has like the most upside that I remember um, a UW wide receiver core having um, in recent memory, at least for me. So Sam, let's move on to some, some spring ball and some spring battles. Obviously spring ball started last week, April 7th. Is that right? Six, seventh. It was the seventh. 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 Um, and we're three days into this thing. And Sam, you were lucky enough to be in attendance at the first open practice to the public on Saturday. And obviously, I want to I want you to start off. How was it walking into Husky Stadium? Oh, again? damn, dude, it felt so good. I yeah. think everybody needs to get online, gohuskies.com, yeah. apply to get tickets. You know, we've got some really sunny days coming up in April mm-hmm. and definitely circle may 1st the spring game and get out there and there was pretty it was a pretty good showing i mean i've been to a lot of spring games in the past when the spring Mm -hmm. game has been the only part of spring camp that's been open to the public and there's about you know maybe slightly less people there for the first practice but it was a good showing and just to kind of like provide some context into why all of a sudden all these practices are open to the public when, you know, historically with Peterson and Lake, things have been held really close to the chest. This is the Huskies roundabout way of getting recruits to see practice because they're not allowed by NCAA rules right now to host recruits to come in and have one-on-one contact with them. But if they open the practice to the public, they can't stop the high school recruits from coming in watching practice. And so that was a big part of this. And it was great to see a lot of the local recruits out there. None more important than the number one recruit that still hasn't signed from the 2021 class. Uh, J Jalon was it? I don't even know his middle name. JT Tui Malau. Yeah. Is, from Eastside Catholic was there, which Honestly, I was kind of surprised. I mean, he is a local kid. It kind of makes sense for him to show up. The general thought behind him is that he's keeping the Huskies in the mix as, you know, just throwing a bone to the local team. We were the first team to give him an offer when he was a freshman after his first freshman game. But the popular opinion is that he's going to Ohio State or Alabama. But he was at practice. He was there with his mom and dad. We're not out of it. I don't think we're out of it. And I I was pretty excited to see him there. And then there was a bunch of younger 2022, 2023 guys. Another five-star. Who was it? Jaden Wayne. Is he a five-star? From Lincoln, yeah. Class of 2023, but. Yeah, I don't, I didn't, oh, that's good to know. Jaden Wayne's like a he's like a top 15 recruit right now for that. Yeah, class. I just didn't know if they gave out five stars yet or not. But if they have it, I think they he just is, did. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, he Jaden Wayne is 
like Connor said, he's one of the best in the country, regardless of position. So he was there. There's a freshman running back at O'Day, Jason mm-hmm. Brown Jr. Just he's offered him. Just offered him. Of course, the Vultures come in after Huskies offer him and USC <laughs> put in an offer. But I think Jason Brown is going to be a Husky. And, you know, he has so many pictures and he's his idols growing up with Ford sports performance over in Bellevue and just, you know, obviously being at O'Day, he looks up to Miles Gaskin, Savon Ahmed, and those guys have taken him under their wings to a degree. And so I think he'll be a Husky when it's all said and done, but I think he's a 2024 kid. So yeah, a long, long time to go. Yeah. But anyways, it was great to see like the intent to opening up practice was to yeah. get these recruits in and they showed up. The local guys were there. And so I think that was really cool to see. Yeah, it, it's also cool to see that. I mean, obviously, this pandemic has ridden over our lives for over a year now. And Jimmy Lake's well aware of that. And he wants to keep Husky Nation involved. And I think if all things were the same, you wouldn't see them open this up like they have but because of the circumstances he wants to you know get light a fire again under this program and get people excited about it because i I think people should be excited about this program and the potential that there is and i think he senses that there's you know there's an opportunity here to Mm -hmm. uh you know kind of carry on not only carry on a tradition but also bring a new fan base in um, as far as some of these, the, some of the younger generation, um, into, into, into practice. And, um, it's, we're seeing access that we haven't had since the Sark days at least. Exactly. So, um, it's, it's a little bit unprecedented in this era, but we're, it obviously gives us a lot more to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I love guy, it. The, the, obviously Sam was in attendance. Um, but not only that, we're getting tons of good, good reporting from from the dogman guys and from mike Vorell at at seattle times and christian capel at the athletic all the all the beat reporters and stuff are are doing a great job of covering spring ball so far and they're getting unprecedented access like they haven't had before as well so um gives us a lot more to talk about in this offseason and a lot more chatter about husky football which is great yeah i love it and and again just wrapping up my hard sell for all the Husky fans, just get out there and go to practice. And it's, it's a blast. I think Jimmy Lake is really to, to Connor's point, truly doing the best that he can to conjure up some momentum and, you know, Husky spirit with the fans. Mm-hmm. And it was a fun, lively, entertaining practice. And they it sounds like know, he's, he's doing a lot of like scrimmage type work to make it entertaining for the fans too, which is great. And so like, obviously Connor and I being the hardcore Husky fans that we have been, like we've taken advantage of all of the access we've had in the past, you know, mostly just being the spring game. And even then the spring game is, you know, has been watered down. It's not always this, you know, not really showing us anything. This was the most enjoyable practice that I've ever been to. And awesome. I think maybe part of that is just the hunger for it as well, you know, with COVID and being able to 
be in a familiar setting from you know well truly appreciate what you haven't had in over a year right yeah so i think there's an element of that but i really do want to give jimmy lake credit that he he didn't hold a lot back i'm sure there were you know didn't you know they dialed back some of the install and schematic stuff but it was a really fun practice to take in and you know he addressed the crowd over the microphone at the end of the practice and it was great to hear his voice and and it matters to him. It matters to the kids. And it was just fun. It was a good practice to be at. And again, the way you let off the segment, it's just what better than a sunny day in Husky stadium on a Saturday, man. Yeah. Hard to beat it for sure. Hard to beat it. Let's talk about some of these, these camp battles as we're calling them and just some players to watch some position changes that we have to talk about as well yeah i just want to start it off with that i'm fucking fired up for this 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 i guess position change kind of but we knew that this player was capable of playing kind of any position in in the secondary dom hampton is is your starting safety he has to call it now call it he now has he is be. your starting safety i don't know how he couldn't be after what i watched in practice first of all he's yep. fucking huge he's 6'2 225 pounds mm-hmm. that is a massive defensive back i mean he is yep. bigger than half the linebackers on our roster and he can freaking fly so there's two plays that stood out to me in practice the first I forget who caught the ball, but somebody caught the ball across the middle and Hampton fucking leveled him. Like no pads, just helmet and Hampton whacked him. And there was a guy sitting behind me and he said, you see that Asa, you better be taking some freaking notes, man. (laughs) I mean, no knock on Asa, but like he does need to play more physically, but Dom plays with violence and he's out Mm -hmm. there. He has the physical ability and he has the want to, to impose his will in a physical manner at that safety position, which is something that we lacked in a major way last year. That was play number one. No. And he's bigger than Jojo. Mm -hmm. And then the second was Sean McGrew ripped off the biggest run of the day. And it was around midfield and he broke through the offensive line. I mean, they created a massive hole for him, went untouched, and he was breaking away down the sideline, kind of angling towards the south side of the sideline towards the end zone. I was already screaming, touchdown. That's a touchdown. Touchdown. Dom Hampton, from the other side of the field, hawked his ass down. And and obviously they're not tackling, but tagged him down at like the five-yard line, would have easily tackled him. And I was just like, oh, my Lanta. Mm-hmm. That dude, that big, that physical can run like that too. Like there's just no way with the physical tools that he has that you can tell me that we have a better safety on the team. Like I get the understanding the playbook, understanding your role and your scheme as a safety. Like he needs to get that dialed in. But there is not a player physically suited better than Dom Hampton to play safety for us. And I think we talked about it last year too, when he's, he's obviously been listed as a corner his entire UW career. Three years. Um, I mean, that's the other thing. He's 
been in the program for three years now. He's ready. Yep. yep. Um, and we all anticipate, anticipated him to play this year. We just didn't know where it was going to be. And we voiced it on this on this podcast before that we think that he has the billings to be a safety. Like he has the yes. size for it. He has the bad intentions to be that hard hitting safety over the middle and, you know, give some guys some loosey goosey arms over the middle trying to catch balls. And um, I couldn't be more fired up for this, this, this move um, mainly because I, I think it puts your best secondary on the field. Like, yes. As far as talent level, like, you get your best guys on the field and there's no doubt there's a lot of depth on this team, but there is upside because of this move that they made. And if it means the Asa Turner sitting, Asa Turner sitting, cause he didn't show it last year in the four games that he played yeah. and didn't really show it in the year before that either. Um, so he's got a lot to prove. And if he ends up starting, it's because he earned it. I think Dom Hampton by all means is your starting strong safety yeah. though. And I will say this about Asa. He looks big. He put on another 10 pounds. Good. He's like 6'3", 210, 215. Use looks, it. Looks really strong. And Use it. I don't know. This might be considered politically incorrect, but I'm going to say it anyways. Looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. <laughs> it's not it. It's 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 not politically un- incorrect if it's if it's true. As, I mean, it is. He's even got Tarzan's hair and everything. Yeah. But I would love nothing more than to see him really step it up and play. I think he's a, a okay player, but he just he needs he does that, certain things well. He needs he does certain physical well. want to to impose his will, that. and he doesn't have that. And before we move move off to anything else, and I I do want to get based off the input that I've provided your expectation for the starting five DBs. Mm-hmm. The other player that popped out in the backfield for me that I didn't expect was Alex cook. Mm. And when we talk about the physical will playing with playing with some violence to their game, he had a nasty, the biggest no pads, spring ball collision i've ever seen and we'll talk more about it when we start bringing up the offensive player that was included (laughs) in this battle (laughs) yeah but i just want to call it out that ac went into it with bad intentions and it was electric everybody jumped out of their seats like it was a loud bang and to see alex cook stick his nose in there on a player on the offensive side of the ball that's already created a reputation for running like beast mode and just looking for trouble. I loved to see Alex cook stick his nose in there. And I know the reporters have written it up that they felt like the offensive player got the best of them. No way. It was a very 50, 50 mutual, both of them like immovable object hits a train. Like it was a collision. It was big. And so I just want to like throw my hat in the ring for Alex cook. I love seeing that. That's great. And I mean, he was obviously one of your starters last year um, at the safety position with, with Asa Um, controversially a little bit, but like obviously he has some upside there. They moved him there for a reason from wide receiver thought he could get some playing time at safety and definitely bring kind of a, 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 um, a repertoire that they didn't quite have in anyone else. I think at that safety position last year. Yeah. And I think he played okay 
I wouldn't say that he stood out in any way to me last last year, at least on game tape. But all I mean, all reports say that he he practices really, really well and he's a sound player. Um, and, he didn't play bad. He didn't play great. I think right. he, for the most part, he did his job, but he wasn't a playmaker. I don't think he got a lot of opportunities too. like, I don't think he like he like plays weren't going to him. Very he's our often. deep safety, too. He lines up 20 yards off the ball. Right. Um, so it. I like I like to hear that he he obviously put put together a, a decent practice on Saturday and yeah made made his name known. So, anyways, I guess going back to my question to you is yeah who do you who do you think and who do you want to be your starting five? Yeah, and I mean I think think and want is the same for me at least. Um, that's just how I think. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know if that's really like any kind of like expertise by by on, on my side of things, but with that move of Dom Hampton to safety, and we thought we were going to see a nickel corner battle this, this spring and this fall, but it doesn't look like that's even happening at this point. Mm -hmm. Looks like Kyler Gordon's your other starting corner opposite Trent McDuffie and bookie are, are bookie, I guess I should say, um, our, our new, our new, uh, coveted prospect at that slot corner position from Oklahoma um brendan radley hiles is 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 your starting nickel and that really leaves only one position and so i'm i'm to be clear we got trent mcduffie kyler gordon you're starting outside corners you got buki at slot and then you got dom hampton i think julius Irvin's gonna start i like i like it i i think julius i think julius Irvin's healthy at UW for the first time that he's been in purple and gold and he's flashed a couple times already in the first couple few practices of spring he's picked yep. at least one ball if not two balls off I know he had his hands on another I don't remember I think he might have dropped one but um, someone that's shown up as a playmaker and a highly recruited guy again yep. um, that a lot of these secondary guys are but um, someone that has been in the fold and we've been kind of waiting for him to realize his potential. And I don't think I, he's been fighting an uphill battle with injuries. I don't think he's really gotten the chance to get a true full off season yet to either of work. And this is his first chance at that. And um, I think that's where your upside is as far as like the talent level, there's going to be some growing pains. I think if you throw him in there and you saw it last year, I mean, he got freaking tossed during the, late late in that i think it was the arizona game yeah that he got some playing time because they were up so big and like he did not look good um but i he was I think also I playing in the nickel during that game right yeah. yeah so um which isn't his true position he's more of a safety um i i really like what he brings and i'm excited about his name popping back up and making some plays this spring so that's obviously super early days here as far as predict predicting that stuff, but that's, that's my pick. How about yours? Yeah, no, I, I probably will have a slight difference there. I love the Julius Irvin call out. And the other thing to call out with him is he's got football in his blood. So his dad, Leroy Irvin played in the yep. NFL for, I don't know, 10 years, mm -hmm. mostly with the Los Angeles Rams. And Again, to your point, if he's healthy, 
I think that's a, a great name to keep an eye on. I think I agree with you outside. I mean, Trent McDuffie's locked in. That's for mm-hmm. sure. He's going to be mm-hmm. your starting corner. I think Kyler gets bumped out to the other side. He looked really good. And obviously he's got gameplay experience under him mm-hmm. in a reserve capacity. This will be, you know, time to put up or shut up for him outside. And I think he'll rise to the occasion at the other outside. I think at the slot, I do think it will be bookie, but the person that was running with the ones for the practice that I was at was cam fab Cameron Fabiculanen. Yeah. And he's high a, on him. he's a pretty good looking prospect as well. So he could play some safety too. He could, he's extremely versatile. So I, I do think, It'll be Bookie. Bookie. I got to figure out how to say that right. It's probably Bookie, I think. I think it's Bookie. So anyways, I think it'll be him, but I do think that Cam Fab is going to give him a little bit of a run for his money. Good. I think Dom Hampton is for sure going to be your in-the-box safety. I mean, he Mm. just looks – it is just – it was so obvious on Saturday that he was the best safety on the field to me, like without a doubt. And then I think in that deep safety position, I think it probably will still be Alex Cook. But if he isn't gonna get, if he is gonna get displaced, it's his by spot anybody, to lose. I think still, it's for sure his spot to lose. And if he's gonna lose it to anybody, it's gonna be either Julius Irvin or Cam Williams. Mm-hmm. And I think Ace is the odd man out right now. Backing do you think, up uh, Dom. Do you think Covington? Or no. esteem factor in? No, not this year. Yeah, I think both very. I think both very promising safety prospects. Esteem got a really nice interception off of uh, Dylan Morris's throw to the end zone. Really mm-hmm. nice. He came over and played center field, and you know, high pointed the football through traffic. Nice interception. Um, but I think they're a year or two away. Good, good looking players for sure. What's the other guys in the slot battle? The freshman from Lake Stevens, Case and Kinchin. He's a walk yeah. on from Lake Stevens. Yeah. I think he, I, I didn't really notice him out there on Saturday. I don't know if he was even, he had a good day too. I know. Yeah. I'm not and, sure about day three. And he was a walk on that we were lucky to get as a walk on. He had, mm-hmm. he had offers to go play other places and he decided to stay here and i think the moment he signed with uw or rather enrolled at uw a lot of people kind of penciled him in as the next candidate for you know walk on turned into a scholarship type guy so i think that's a good call out i think he's someone to watch at that position as well but i think i think i think buki will have it yeah I think he has to be the overriding favorite at this point, just given the circumstances more than anything. Yeah. Um, but um, it's good to know that there's going to be some guys pressing him because obviously competition breeds the the best out of people. So um, hopefully, hopefully that's the case here. I think the other the other group that we want to talk about is the running backs, and um, obviously before we get to the quarterback battle, we'll talk about that as well. But the what a stable we have, man. And I think we're six deep. Yeah. It seems pretty ridiculous. Like this running game is going to be fucking unreal. 
because all these guys are going to be fresh and you're definitely going to like, I think we have one guy that's probably going to take the bulk of the carries. Um, and we've definitely mentioned his name on the podcast before, but um, any, any of these guys can play. Who and, do you think is going to take the bulk of the carries? Well, now I'm second guessing myself. I don't, I'm not in the same boat as you. I'll tell you that right now. So, you, so I, I, I know who wait. you're thinking then. I, I know who you're thinking to, then. I can't wait to go to practice with you until you see what I see with my own two eyes. Yeah. I've, I mean, Woo! we've heard reports, man. Like it, <laughs> it's the real deal, man. So let me just say this though, that Cam Davis has gotten probably the most work yes. at running back. Um, not just, not just with the ones, like there's plenty of snaps with the twos as well. Um, and, you know, Sean McGrew, Richard Newton wasn't there out there day one, but was out there the day two was, and three. No, he wasn't there day three. Oh, he wasn't there day three. Nope. Something weird's going on with him then. I know. I don't know an, what it is. Yeah, it's something to keep an eye on. Um, but I think he's probably your fourth best running back at this point. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I love me some big dick Newton. We yeah. both do, but. There's some other guys in the stable right now. That and he's got some see. something's going on with him. I don't yeah. know what it is. I don't know if it's a weird naggy injury or if there's some class stuff or some discipline stuff, but yeah, I don't something know. seems a little off. Um okay, so the two guys I think we're gonna be talking about here. <laughs> I can't are, control myself, dude. Are Cam Davis and JV on Sunday. Oh baby! JV on is looking nice. <laughs> Okay, so tell tell the listeners what you saw on Saturday. Uh, you got to show up and see it for yourself, if I'm being honest. Wow. You're just going to leave them like that? No, I mean, I'll get into it, but I'm trying to find the words. And, like, literally, I want people to show up to practice or to the spring game and see what number 26 looks like. Okay. I mean – can I, sorry, I don't, I'm really bad at this, but I don't mean to interrupt, but can I just caveat that listeners with the fact that Sam, you were the one to say that Deontay Cooper was the next coming at running back as well after watching him in spring ball. And he would have been three, three, three torn ACLs will do that to you. I'm sure. But yeah, actually while you brought him up, shout out to DC. He, he was, was at, he was at practice. I think he's, I forget which high school he's coaching at. He's still in the local yeah, he's area. In the area. Yeah. I think uh, South. It's a small, yeah, it's a smaller school or a school that I like am not as familiar with. I think it's on the South end. Yeah. So it was awesome to see him. Um, but yeah, I mean, Deontay Cooper for all intents and purposes was giving Chris Polk a run for his money for the starting role before mm. Chris Polk really took off. Mm. Oh man. I don't know. I just feel like I'm going to, I'll put my neck out on this one. Like, I just feel like I have a good feel for the running back position. I know both of us were extremely high on Miles Gaskin coming in as a freshman. I was like, that's, I saw one day and I'm like, yeah, that is the best running back on our roster. I can't remember if we called Bishop Sankey or not. That was a weird year. Cause we, I think that's the year that we thought Deontay might take off. Yeah. We were still, and then he got, kind of hurt again so kind of like we didn't really know (laughs) yeah but and callier was jesse callier was in the mix he blew his acl as well that's right yeah that was a weird year and i i will say the gaskin year was really obvious to me i mean dwayne washington has made millions of dollars in the nfl but he wasn't Mm -hmm. a good 
college running back. I mean, he was average at best, really high-end athlete, but didn't have a feel for the position. So it was like obvious to me that by far and away, not only was Gaskin good, but he was the best on the roster. I don't feel as strongly about Javion, at least from the one practice that I saw. I think he's the best running back on our roster, but our stable of running backs is in a much better place today than it was when Gaskin was coming in as a true freshman. So I don't know that Javion's going to burst onto the scene the same way that Gaskin did, but oh my Lord, the vision, the power, the speed, the quickness, the, the freaking mentality. I mean, one of my favorite interviews of Marshawn Lynch was when he said, somebody asked him about his running style and he said, well, when you punch a mother effer in the face over and over and over and over and over and over again, they ain't want to get punched in the face no more. That is Javion's mentality, man. I mean, we've heard it. You read it in the newspapers of him coming into spring practice and Jimmy Lake having to rein him in three times. Like it got to the point where when you saw Javion put his helmet on, on the sideline and trot onto the field, you could hear the buzz of the people watching. Just like everyone starts to pay attention, which was weird because like, Someone by the name of Sam Heward is also playing right now. Like I thought that the buzz and the oohs and ahs would be like, Oh, Sam Heward's coming on like hush, hush, hush. Like let's watch. No, it was for Javion. And I mean, he had collisions like I've never seen in spring ball without pads. And on the play that I was alluding to earlier with, with his collision with Alex cook, the play was designed to go to the right. He saw the cutback lane and the huge hole off the left side of the offensive line. Jump cut was beautiful. Open grass, like 15 yards, and he chewed it up, picked up the yards, and then just freaking slammed into Alex Cook. And again, giving Alex Cook his credit, it was he didn't gain any yards after they hit. But, oh, my Lord, am I excited to see 26 carry the rock in the purple and gold. And I will also add the final caveat for my hard sell on Javion is I don't think he necessarily looks like he's the biggest. He's kind of got like that power lifter build. He's got really big thighs, strong, sturdy, lower body. I think he was damn near close to setting the national record deadlift for his age and weight class as like a sophomore in high school. So the dude is strong as an ox. I just, I could keep going for days and days and days on this kid. I am so excited to see what Jamie on Sunday Sunday. can do. Dude. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. I mean, I'm fixing to go back this Saturday just to watch what he's going to do. That's how like exciting it was to watch him in practice. Because they're going to be in full pads for the first time on Saturday. Damn, dude, I'm not going to miss that. (laughs) Being what he's doing to these guys without pads on, I can't wait. Part of me can't wait because the defense is putting a target on his back. So it's going to be awesome. 
There was for sure some chirping is what I was hearing too. Like there's, and primarily with, with Sunday, as far as just like, yes, he has a huge target on his back. The next play, I forget who the quarterback was. It might've been Heward threw a a ball out to the flat to JV and he dropped it or something and he dropped it right in front of the defensive players. And ZTF was in his ear. Yeah. I Jimmy love Lake that, had though, to go dude. get him out of the defensive skirmish. Yeah, I love that though. These guys, I mean, these guys are competing. That's they are that's fired great. up, man. And the, I mean, these guys are all so hungry to be out there right now, especially with I mean, that's their first time in front of fans since Apple Cup 2019. <laughs> like that's ridiculous, dude. They're yeah. I, even if it's just a few fans out there, like they are fired up to put on a show for Husky Nation. <laughs> And that reminds me of one other thing that I just loved from spring practice. When Jimmy Lake was addressing the fans that showed up at the end of practice, he mentioned that like, yeah, this was the first time that these guys have played in front of Husky nation since 2019, when we played our in-state rivals in Husky stadium. And then he added the little jab and said, you know, we did handle them pretty good, didn't we? <laughs> I fucking love me some Jimmy. Oh man, Jimmy like loves rubbing in Wazoo's Wazoo's face. It's great. Don't change Jimmy. Uh, yeah, he does not does not shy away from it. I must ask then, like I noted that Cam Davis is the other running back, I think, that to talk about as far as possibly getting the bulk of the carries this year. What did you see from him? Like anything that like stood out to you from him? Like, do you think that like, there's still obviously a chance that he could yes. be your, your lead running back as well? Yeah. And I, going into last year, I thought Cam Davis, we both did thought mm-hmm. that he would really emerge as being the guy. And for one reason or another, he didn't get the volume of carries and touches that just opportunities. Yeah. That we were kind of looking for, but he looked good. He looked solid. He got two touchdowns. Both of them were short yardages. He didn't rip off anything too long. He didn't have any, like, you know, jumping out of your seat plays like Javion did. But he's a solid running back, man. He's really – I think he's a really good catcher of the football out of the backfield. Um, It looked like he was – doing a pretty good job in pass pro as well. So I think he's probably going to be your all round. I mean, he, yeah, he can definitely get it done, but there's just Javion just has something about him, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, we got, I, we need to go to practice. I want to go on Saturday. I need to figure out what my family's plans are for like birthday celebrations for me and stuff. But it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to be at practice if I get the lottery ticket because I, I just got to go see what he's going to do again. Yeah, I would love to go, but I'm getting my second vaccination on Saturday. So I will have to put off yet another week of seeing my beloved Huskies and not to mention I have a huge house project going on right now. So I probably won't make it out until the spring game, but I plan on going to the spring game. So, yeah, well, if any of our listeners are out there, look for me if you know what I look like, because I'll yeah. probably will be there. Yeah. <laughs> I got daddy Sam out to Husky stadium for the first time since awesome. the renovation. He was pretty pumped about it. That's great. I didn't know that he hadn't been out there yet. 
Yeah, he's got the juices flowing now. He liked him some JV on as well. So I think yeah. I might be able to get him out there this Saturday. We'll see. That's awesome. But yeah, I, I think to your point, it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out because we haven't even talked about Sean McGrew. He looked really good. Kamari mm-hmm. Pleasant is back. Mm-hmm. Who knows with Richard Newton, what, what the deal is with him. But you got five guys that I think could be a bell cow type running back in the Pac-12. We got five of them. Right. It's not a bad place to be in, I'd say, especially no. when you're a run first team. So definitely, definitely good to keep keep your running backs fresh and have have the next guy up there um let's touch a little bit on the quarterback battle but again this is just kind of like the first snaps of sam hewitt's college career so i think you're taking this with a grain of salt he definitely has struggled the first few days yep um i think he did play a bit better though on day three it sounded like in front of fans yep than the first two days and Oh, like building off of that, it sounded like the defense definitely won the first two days and the offense got him back a little bit on day three is, is kind of the, the vibe that I was getting as well, just from reading reports. Yeah, I would say so. I think a caveat to that is the first, <laughs> I guess this is a good segue. I don't want to take us too far off of the quarterback battle, yeah. but one of the caveats I'll put on that is the first line defensive line didn't seem to get a lot of snaps on day three. Mm-hmm. And the person that I'm really thinking about is ZTF on freaking blockable, even with our number one offensive line. I mean, he was chewing up Kirkland. He was chewing up Kern. I think he had three awesome. sacks on maybe 10, 12 scrimmage plays. I mean, they could not block him. He was on the sideline with his helmet off, barking, yelling, talking shit to the refs for not calling sacks for his teammates. He was doing more of that than actually playing. So I think if he was in on more of those snaps, I think it got so bad to the point where they were like, okay, the offense needs to do something. Like they need to be able to run a play. Like we're not getting shit done on offense with ZTF in. So like just – Go get some water. Take a chill pill. Go dance on the sideline. Do whatever. Like, we know you're good. But it was great for me to see because I do agree with you. Like, four games, you could be a flash in the pan. No problem. Yep. But, I mean, I, I, think highly of our, I think highly of our offensive line, and ZTF is on another level, man. I mean, he was mm-hmm. just, like, literally to the point where the offense could not run a pass play with him in the game. And you're talking about the guy that the only the only reason why he got the opportunity that he did last year was because Leatu Latu was injured. Yeah. And you know you're losing a huge talent, but possibly seeing a guy develop into a top fifteen pick here. Yeah, he's an NFL guy. I mean, there was another play where he ran down. I think it was McGrew on the backside pursuit, mm-hmm. and my dad leaned over to me and he's like, "Oh my, how much does ZTF weigh?" like 280 yeah he's like there's no way that he should be running down a running back like that and obviously you weren't there for this but the first practice of the season i think he picked off sam heward on like a batted ball that was like a ridiculously athletic play like yeah so he's the real deal i mean i I think all signs point to him having another really big season so definitely excited for ztf 
for sure. But anyways, getting back to your point on, on the quarterbacks when they weren't getting sacked by ZTF. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a ton to take away from the practice for me personally. Obviously, you know, your pecking order is pretty solidified in the early goings of spring practice. You got Dylan Morris is taking all the ones. Patrick yep. O'Brien, the grad transfer from Colorado State, was taking all the twos. And Sam Heward was taking the threes. And then Camden Sermon was taking the fours. And he actually looked pretty good, too. Um, none of them made any, like, fantastic throws in live reps the one thing that i took away from practice though was at one point when they separated out into their position groups and the quarterbacks were practicing their deep ball they had uh someone on the coaching staff or equipment staff was out there just catching 40 50 60 yard bombs sam heward's deep ball is just different from it. you watch the other four guys throw and like they can all get it out there and it looks good. And then Sam Heward throws and it looks like a freaking punt. I mean, the amount of air that he gets under the ball, which signifies arm strength to be able to not only throw it that far, but with that arc trajectory, mm-hmm. it's different. And again, like you have to be accurate and everything else that goes into playing quarterback, but there is a very noticeable difference between Sam Heward's pat, like I could close my eyes and then you tell me when the ball's in the air and I look and I could tell you if it was Sam Heward or not. That's how big of a difference it was. Again, I don't know how that translates to playing well, but it is, sure. it is a different level of arm talent in my opinion. Yeah. And there's no, I, I don't think anyone would disagree that clearly the upside is with Sam Heward Correct. as your starting quarterback. Um, it's just whether he's going to be ready, you know, like, I mean, it, it, it's an uphill battle for a true freshman to start day one, especially with an experienced starter coming back and Dylan Morris. And, you know, obviously we're not really ta- talking about him, but Patrick O'Brien is also a very experienced starter in college. Yep. Speed of the game is different. Got to learn the playbook. He's got a, aside from football, learn how to be a college student. Like these are all things that are just an uphill battle for, for a true freshman to start at quarterback. And I think we both agree that if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Sam Heward. But my take is this is Dylan Morris's job to lose, especially at this point in spring ball. Um, It's going to be, it's going to be the same way. First day of fall. There's nothing that's going to come from spring ball at, at this quarterback position. You'll see these guys develop a bit and get some chemistry with these receivers, which is great. But the pecking order is not going to change between now and the start of fall camp. You're going to see Dylan Morris take the first snaps of the first practice of fall camp as well. And it's going to stay that way until Sam Heward does something or starts doing things so spectacularly that the coaches have to take notice and start giving him some, some first string snaps. Yeah, totally agree. hundred percent. So, so um, that's just where I'm at with the quarterback battle. And it, obviously it's something fun to watch throughout the spring. And we'll, we'll, we'll continue to talk about it throughout spring ball, but um, nothing is going to come of it at this point. And by all means, D- Dylan Morris, as of right now is your starter on opening day. And yep. that's just the way it is until, until someone else does something to unseat him. So his job to lose. Totally agree. Cool. 
glad we're glad we're <laughs> in agreement on that. Um, the Savelle Smalls injury. I just wanted you to touch on yeah. that. Yeah. So you have a note on that. So I, yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I didn't see. It hasn't been reported or anything. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be anything major, but it was noticeable. Okay, so they were in shells. They weren't full pads. And so what that means is they yeah. the team was yeah, in shoulder pads it, and shoulder helmets. pads no yeah and no and shorts no and shorts. no lower pads or anything correct like that, yeah and i noticed that savelle did not have shoulder pads on and he was one mm. of the only defensive players that didn't he was not in any of the scrimmage reps at all he was there he was in uniform he was partaking in the position drills but no live reps at all yeah. so it leads me to believe that he's got some nagging injury that he's dealing with. He could with. just be he could just be like just a little banged up too and they just didn't like I mean they're going to be really cautious with these guys in spring ball too. So yeah, it, it could be something as simple as like a small bruise somewhere that they just didn't want to get worse. Yeah, and it could even be simpler than that. Like I know a lot of these teams have certain rules like hey, before you can put on shoulder pads, you need x number of practices under your belt before you can put on full pads you need x number of practices conditioning type thing maybe even yeah and so maybe from you know perspective of class schedules or something he had to miss half Mm -hmm. of a practice somewhere that Mm -hmm. didn't get reported and so he's a day behind getting into full pads and everyone else it could be just that but i think when you talk about the pass rush and the players that are going to come in, you know, be key players for that. He's one of them. And just something that I noticed on the sideline worth calling out that he was not a full participant and in NFL speak, he would have been considered like limited participant in practice. I will say that Akaika Molloy seems fucking fired up for Savelle Smalls and his future. Like, and yeah. his, I think his press conference that he had after the Friday practice, like he was very outspoken about Savelle Smalls and um, him realizing his potential as soon as this year. So um, definitely keep a name to keep your eye out on hard not to, cause he's a five-star recruit, local recruit. Um, yeah. But someone that saw playing time last year, but didn't really like show like a lot of flashes of, of like a few flashes of his potential, but not a lot of consistency. I'd say with that Yep. Um, expected from a young player, but um, and the, he's, he's obviously got a ton of guys that he's going up against at that outside linebacker yeah. <laughs> position. Um, so the, but there's going to be snaps out there. They're going to, they're going to rotate these guys. And especially on those passing down situations, that's, that's when it, gets exciting to see someone like Savelle Smalls coming off the edge. You get Savelle Smalls with Ryan Bowman inside, and then you got ZTF on the other side on some Whew. passing downs. You'd even have Jeremiah Martin slide inside on that too. Like that yeah, is dude. a deadly pass rush right there. Yeah. Um, and it's it's kind of like your NASCAR package, I'd say there as far as like third and super long or something like that. You're just trying to get a quick sack of the quarterback, but and you're not going to see that very often, but That'd be a fun, that'd be a fun pass rush to watch. Yeah, dude. We've got some options. <laughs> yeah. There's we got some dudes, as they say these days. So yep. well, I think that probably wraps up most most of our conversation for the evening. Um, a lot of mariners, a lot of husky talk, mostly husky talk. Um, anything else you had to add, Sam, before I'm just gonna kind of do a little bit of a spiel here before we wrap it up. But yeah, as far as get on. 
get on go Huskies, get out to practices. It's fun. Look out, yeah. see if I'm out there, come say hi. Love to watch practice with you. So get out there, enjoy the sunshine while we got it and watch some Huskies. Absolutely. Yeah. Got to be fired up to have some Husky football. And, you know, like we said, fans in attendance, you can actually walk into Husky stadium right now, which is so cool and something that we should never take for granted again. Um, as far as other things going on this week, guys. So later this week, the Sounders are, you know, kicking off their season Friday night, April 16th against the, I think they're against Minnesota. I guess I should have had that on here. I believe it's against Minnesota at 630 on Friday, but um, given that we are going to do a Sounders preview on Thursday night, which is the night of Sam's birthday. So we might have some special shenanigans and we'll see, I guess, if we were, if we actually record that night, maybe the night before we'll work around your birthday as far as, as far as that comes, but we'll have a little birthday celebration for Sam on air as well. Sweet. Um, and you know, what else would you want to talk about, but some sounders right on your, on, on, <laughs> on your birthday celebration podcast. Right. Yeah. We'll see. Well, who knows? I might have some more Husky Intel. You Wednesday, probably will. Wednesday practice is open eight 30 to 10 30. So I might take my laptop and work from Husky stadium that Damn, morning. Dude. I don't know. Oh, I'm jacked, it. dude. I got to get more. <laughs> I, I got, I got he's the addicted. itch. I need to scratch it. Yeah. He's addicted. But uh, look for look for some kind of preview episode, even if it ends up just being Justin to me too. If Sam's gonna take take the night off, we'll 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 allow it this time. But we'll we'll hopefully have all all three of us on for that, and probably maybe even some Seahawks updates for that as well. There's some things that we could talk about from that front as well. Week after that, um, we're probably looking at some kind of mock draft for the Seahawks and we'll have uh, a mock draft special, I think with hopefully all three of us as well, uh, highlighting our three picks for the Seahawks, which it'll no doubt be more than that, but yeah. we'll just pretend they're not going to trade their picks just to keep things simple. Um, and maybe talk some, some more about where we think some of the Huskies are going to land in the NFL draft as well. And the thing that we're most excited about is April 29th, I believe, is the Thursday of the first round of the NFL draft. And we are going to do a YouTube live. Sam and I have some little logistical things to just kind of play with, but we are going to do YouTube live with Emerald City Fandom during the NFL draft. Sam and I will just be watching the draft in the background and you guys can come hang with us and we'll just be kind of, you know, shitting, shooting the shit, reacting to picks. Seahawks aren't going to be picking in the first round unless they're going to be pulling off like a miraculous trade or some shit before then. But by all means, that's not going to happen. Um, but we might have some Husky guys to talk about. We'll also be, uh, have plenty of division rival rivals picks to, to talk through as well. And if you guys are fans of any other teams as well that we want to, that you want to talk about, come hang with us. We'll have a chat open that you guys can ask questions and we can have plenty of conversation back and forth. Want to get this a little bit more of an engaging podcast with our listeners. So we think that's a good way to do it. Just to open it up on, on an event platform um, like YouTube live and have something a little bit more interactive um, for, for that. So that's at 5 p.m. I think on the 29th, and we'll try to start as close to to 5 p.m. as possible. I know 
it's kind of right around dinner time for all of us. And we'll probably have that going in the background a little bit too. And I usually don't get off work till five 30, but I'll probably work my way around that and try to get online as quickly as possible. But I'd like to try to at least be online before the 49ers pick at number three. And we'll have plenty to talk about, I think with, with that pick. And oh, yeah. that'll probably be the talking point for at least the first half of the draft is my guess. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of like where the first, the next couple of weeks take us as far as the podcast. And this is going to be kind of our first time playing with that YouTube live. I will say now that I have created a channel for Emerald city fandom on YouTube. So if you want to get notifications on when we're going to go live, subscribe to that channel. Obviously there's no videos or anything up there now yet, but, um, hopefully this is going to be something that we do every once in a while. It's not going to be every podcast, but you know, like for reaction stuff, or if we just feel like we want to, we have a, some, a topic that we want to open it up more interactively to fans and kind of have some more engagement. We'll do it. Like I, I, I think that, that that both Sam and I think that that would be fun and that we want to interact with our, our listeners in that way. So um, be looking for that and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's just at Emerald city fandom is, is the, is the, is the channel name and uh, subscribe and then hit the notification bell and you'll be notified when we have something scheduled as well. Um, which will probably be kind of how we, how we do that, but we're still kind of ironing out the logistics on, on our side of things. So we'll keep you updated on future podcasts on that. But I think that's that's probably about all that we had to talk about tonight. Quite a bit to talk about from from Mariners and Husky perspective, and we'll have plenty more Husky talk over the next few weeks and Mariners talk over the next few weeks as the season progresses. Um, but you know, thanks for listening, folks. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already, and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. Until next time. Go M's and go dogs.